0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading.
1: Okay, here we go John chapter 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So notice he's down in the south of Israel, Judea, but he needs to go up to the northern part, Galilee, and you have to travel through the central part, Samaria. So it says, but he needed to go through Samaria. Verse 5, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. That's about noon. It goes on to say in verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And he didn't say it rudely, but he was just asking for a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? So we have three different uh, categories here. You're a Jew. Second, I'm a Samaritan. Third, I'm a woman. I'm a female Samaritan. So in other words, she's saying, why do you even speak to me? And she goes on to say, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Notice she didn't say Samaritans have no dealing with Jews. Jews were the ones that looked down on Samaritans. And so she said, so why would you even be wanting me to get you a drink since your people, the Jews, look down on us? Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God And who, of course, he just talked, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son in the previous chapter, right? So we know the gift of God is Jesus himself. So he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Don't you love how Jesus talks about himself in the third person, him? And so he said, if you knew who this was talking to you, you would have asked him and he would have given you, listen, living water. Well, of course, the woman doesn't know what this means, living water. And so here's how she responds. It says, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? So she's thinking, where are you going to get living water that you don't even have anything to go down and dip up from the well? And so verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well? You can see, and when you read through the Bible, by the way, you can see the importance of water. You know, we have running water in our homes, most all of us, and so we don't ever think about that. But back in the ancient days, let me tell you, there was no running water unless you built uh, something like uh, the Romans built the that carried water like the aqueduct that uh, was built uh, from up in the north of Israel. And today you can see the ruins of it right along the Mediterranean Sea, the shore of the Mediterranean Sea. Around the city of the ancient city of Caesarea, you can still see the aqueduct that would carry the water from up in the north, uh, from uh, the Mount Carmel area and such, where it would rain up there, and the water would be carried all the way down to Caesarea, uh, uh, one of Herod's palaces. There, see, so uh, it was a major issue. Water was a major issue back in those days. So people are going to live where either a river is or a well, and this is just how life revolves. So she's saying, look, we have the well here, but you're talking about living water. Where are you going to get this living water? And so she said, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, talking about the water in that well. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, let me just stop right there and give you a little foreshadow of what's going to happen in chapter 7 around the 37th verse where the Bible says, then Jesus on that great day, that day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me as the scripture has said, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John says, this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is now saying, if you would ask me, I would give you living water. And if you get living water from me, you'll never thirst again. Of course, he's talking spiritually. He doesn't mean when you get born again and receive the water of Jesus that you don't have to drink, you know, physical water anymore. He's talking about a spiritual thirst and this will quench forever your spiritual thirst. And it'll spring up into everlasting life. So this water that he's talking about, the living water, will give you eternal life. Well, of course, he's talking about salvation, but he's also talking about salvation by the power of the Holy Spirit. And watch this. So it says here in verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. See, she's thinking, well, I guess I won't need to have the water of this well. Well, she's mistaken and misunderstanding. But the point is, Jesus talked to her to the point that she said, give me this water. So let's see how Jesus responds. She said, give me this water. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. Oh my goodness, this is called a word of knowledge. One of the nine manifestations of the Spirit outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And she says, give me some of that living water. And he gave her a word of knowledge. He gave her some knowledge. Now some people think, well, Jesus knew this because he knows all things. Not true. Jesus did know all things before he became a human being. But when he became a human being, he willingly relinquished those God qualities to become literally like us so that he could relate to us, be tempted like we are yet without sin, and so that he could show us what a human being who is not omnipresent, who is not omnipotent, who is not omniscient, what a human being could do if they would obey and follow God and if they would be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So that means we can live like Jesus if we were willing to do it. So he gave her this word of knowledge. Yeah, you have had five husbands, and the one you're, if we could just say it like this, the one you're living with, or, you know, in fornication with right now is not even your husband. And so here's how the woman responded in verse 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Like, how would you know that? I perceive that you're a prophet. And then she said, our fathers worshiped on this mountain in the Samaria area. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, The hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We, talking about the Jews, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. That statement right there needs to not be overlooked. For salvation is of the Jews. In other words, the Chinese, the Germans, the Russians, not just anybody in the world can say, well, you know, we have our own salvation. You know, God worked through us and he'll save us. We don't need the Messiah of the Jews. That's not true. No, God made a covenant with Abraham and he said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, through you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God has one Messiah, Jesus. God has one Messiah who came through one people group. It's the Jews. The descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Jesus said salvation is of the Jews. So let's never forget that the church did not replace the Jews. No, the church is saved because of the salvation that came through the Jews. And so anyway, there's a lot more to that teaching. Paul gets in and validates the covenant that God still has with the Jews and tells us don't boast because Uh, The root supports you. You don't support the root. We came from the Jews and the Savior of the Jews. And by the way, this whole Bible was written by Jews. (laughs) So thank God. Okay, here we go. Salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, Jesus went on to say, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So, in other words, we can't just, uh, like many people do, say, well, this, I got my own way to worship. No, <laughs> no. You need to worship in the truth. What did God say? How is, how is God worshiped? And you need to worship in spirit. You need to worship from your spirit in sincerity to God and by the Holy Spirit. Okay, here we go. Verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. Well, he is the Messiah. I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Wow. And watch this. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Notice it didn't say a Samaritan. That may have been a marvel to them as well. But they marveled that he talked to a woman. See, so that's why she said, why do you, being a Jew, even talk to me, a Samaritan woman? So they marveled that he talked to a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then, and of course he said, I'm the Messiah. I who speak to you am he. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men. Now, this is a lady that's been married five times. She may have been even far more promiscuous than what the word of knowledge uh, reveals. And so it could be that there were a lot of men in the city that knew her, and likely uh, most everybody knew who she was. And it says, she went and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ or the Messiah? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. They had went and uh, collected some food. And they said, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I love this. He's saying more than eating physical food, I I feed on doing the will of him who sent me, Father God, and to finish his work. This is food to me. This nourishes me to be about the Father's business. Verse 35, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. So Jesus is saying, don't you say, do you not say there are four months and then comes the harvest? Uh he says, Do you not say there are four months and then comes the harvest? In other words, you think you know when the harvest is here in a natural sense. He said, he switched to spiritual. But I'm telling you, if you'll lift up your eyes, you'll see the fields are white for harvest. Talking about people. There are people who are ready to receive. There are people who, if you will bring the gospel to them, the truth to them, and especially with the power of the Holy Spirit they will open their hearts just like this woman did. And we'll see in just a moment that, you know, most of this city opened their hearts to the Lord Jesus. And so he said, uh, he said, we need to open up our eyes, lift up our eyes and look. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. And then he goes on to say, for in this, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. I sent you to reap. Others have already sown seed. I need you to go and reap what has already been sown. Well, for one thing, John the Baptist has been sowing seed and baptizing people. Isn't that right? Okay, verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. And it goes on to say, and he who testified, quote, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, Jesus, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. So here he is pouring out teaching and explaining to the Samaritans, oh, the love of the Lord for people. He stayed there two days and many more believed because of his own word or his own teaching and what he was communicating. Verse 42. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Messiah, the savior of the world. Don't you love that? The Samaritans believe. And uh, verse 43, now after the two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee up in the north. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was. Sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea in, into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The, noble, the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Do you see the desperation? Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word. Oh, this is powerful. So the man believed the word. Jesus said, go your way. Your son lived. And the man believed. He believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. In other words, he's getting better. He's recovering. Your son lives. Then he inquired of them uh, the hour when he got better. So in other words, he got better. He didn't, he's not recovering. He recovered already. The hour when he got better and they said to him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus had said to him, your son lives. And he, and he himself believed and his whole household. Don't you love that? This nobleman's whole household became believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. 54, last verse. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. What a powerful chapter that was. Well, let me tell you, we've got another one tomorrow, John chapter five, something special happens in that chapter. Don't miss it. I'll see you tomorrow.
0: Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Deerman.